Welcome to the HIF Player, bringing Harrogate International Festivals into your home. This event was recorded live at the Feakston or Peculiar Crime Writing Festival. Enjoy. Welcome to the intimate surroundings of the drinking detective uh, for a very special late night lock-in. Uh, now I've got to pull pints here, I'm going to make such a balls up of this, but here we go. <laughs> I have had lessons. Uh, we've got a couple, a couple of regulars coming in tonight, a couple of very special guests. Uh, I say regulars, they've not actually been here for 10 years, <laughs> but last time they popped in and sat there and put the world to rights, it was a very, very memorable event indeed. Now, you know, who knows what might happen when a Yorkshireman and a Scot <laughs> pop in with unlimited beer, putting the world to rights, anything can happen. I do know that you're in for a treat. What can I tell you? Banks is back, Rebus is coming back, and like you, I'm hugely excited at the prospect of spending an hour in their company. Would you please welcome Peter Robinson and Ian Rankin. All right, all right, ish, 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 gentlemen. Crisps, crisps, there's crisps. See you later, guys. Sorry. You know, it's customary to fill it to the top, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely five measures. Cheers. Cheers, man. Ten years, that's hard to believe, isn't it? No, not really, man. I mean, so? yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it does. It seems like yesterday in some respects because we've kept in touch and we kept doing our stuff and we do pretty much what we did back then. Just yeah. got more readers. Yeah, well, that's we good. Hope. That's good. Yeah. We hope. So what have you been doing for the last 10 years then? Um, Hee-haw, as we say <laughs> in Scotland, which is um, rhyme and slang for fuck all. Um, <laughs> I, I sneaked it into my last book. I was really pleased with that. I've been trying to sneak Scottish rhyme and slang into my books forever. And... Uh, <laughs> I got hee haw in the last book, which is great. <laughs> Without footnotes. Footnotes in the French edition, obviously. Um, no, I mean, just, you know, keeping on, keeping on. I mean, well, you know, once you've decided you want to be a crime writer, why would you want to do anything else, right? I can't imagine why. Well, no. Yeah. Although, I don't know, I mean, with this one, your new one, before the poison available in all good bookshops, <laughs> this is the latest one. It's, I mean, it's a slight step away, yeah. I would guess. It's, um, not, it's not banks, it's not a procedural, it's more of a. I don't know, what is it? I mean, is it, it's like, more like a Barbara Vine? It's a kind of psychological... <laughs> no, I mean, is it's a psychological, kind of slow-burning story. Yeah, I mean, I almost thought of publishing it under a woman's name. <laughs> it, it's, it's a different kind of book. I mean, it's... it's um, what it's, name? I haven't thought of one yet. Can you, can you uh, Isla St. Gaza? I'm trying to think of something. Yeah, Mary... Shelley? No, no, no. no, no, okay. no. Yeah. no, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a different kind of book. It's, it's a sort of psychological suspense novel. And the strange thing is that, you know, I, it's been a long time since I went away from banks and, and did something different. And during the time that I, I wrote that, they did the TV thing. And when I went back to, to writing about banks for the new one, Watching the Dark, which is coming out in August, um, <laughs> it was really difficult because, you know, I'd been away for a long time huh. and I'd also seen a very different version of, of Banks, so I had to put all that out of my mind. Well, I mean, l I mean let's, let's talk about that, because that's a question that we've probably both been asked a lot over the years, is about the, the, the visualisation of your character and, and how that changes your perception. Does it, does it change your perception of your character? 
In your case, it did. Having watched it on TV, and you, you'd made that decision that you were actually going to watch it on TV. You I did watch it, yeah. yeah. But, but you had to, that's a decision you had to make. Yeah. Because yeah. before Rebus went on TV, I phoned up lots of crime writers, and I said, do I watch it or don't I? Crime writers had work had been put on television. And I got a mixture of responses, but mainly they said, if you watch it, you might end up changing your character. Mm -hmm. I mean, Colin Dexter yeah. is, a, is a classic case of that. Um, and some people said, if you watch it, you might be so horrified, you'll never be able to write about that character again. That was Liza Cody. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you feel? Well, I mean, I, I talked to you about it. And, and, and in some ways, you said, you know, stay away, you know, keep, keep it at arm's length. But, you know, I, f I find the process of TV interest. And I like watching TV dramas and the fact that they were doing mine kind of gave me a chance to, to, to sort of go and watch. I mean, I'm, I wasn't involved to any great extent. I mean, I'd read the scripts, but made a few suggestions, visited the set a couple of times and, and, and watched them. But in terms of taking the, the character away, I worried about that because of the Alec Guinness thing, you know, it said yeah. about uh, John le Carre said about Smiley. Guinness. Yeah. Although he didn't say that about Gary Oldman. You know, it, it didn't write about it. <laughs> Just said it about Alec Guinness. Um, so I, I did worry about it, but... No, it didn't happen. I mean, the thing for me was, was having, having left Banks to do a different book and having seen someone else's Banks, I just had to make that little extra effort to, to sort of put the actor out of my mind, put the TV series out of my mind, and just get back to basics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, 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 um, the TV version of the character hasn't interfered with the new book? I don't think so. No. no. So the I mean, readers will be voice. the judge, I guess. Well, I, I don't think yeah. So. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a kind of interesting thing, though, because isn't it? Because the, there are going to be some readers who won't be able to get the actor out of their head. Yeah. Especially readers who haven't been with the series throughout the series, that will be just be their kind of perception there. And it's whether you think it's close enough to your perception that you feel that you don't need to change it too much in the future books. I, you know, I mean, I, the, the, the way that I imagine Banks to look and, and, and the way Stephen Tompkinson looks are two very different things. Right. So they, they, they would never be any way the same. But I, I find as I watch it, he's bringing out more aspects of the character that, that, that are familiar to me. And I've always thought, you know, you're never going to get an actor that's going to approach everyone's idea of, of, of what he's like, what it looks like. I mean, I, I describe Banks occasionally. You describe Rebus occasionally. Not a lot, not in any great yeah. detail. But every time you talk to someone, they've got a completely different idea of what yeah. he looks like. And, yeah. and, and you can never satisfy that. No, you, you know, Whoever plays him. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean you've had true. two actors playing play Rebus. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works that you can suddenly go from one actor to another actor who are very different, uh, physically very different, and you can, you can, they can still be the same person, but apparently viewers um, can take that, which is kind of weird. I can't imagine it happening in, in Coronation Street. No, you, know, you can't no, suddenly have not in the soap. No. That somebody suddenly, you know, same character behind the bar of the Rovers Return goes from being a buxom blonde to being a guy with tattoos and a huge moustache. Yeah, um, yeah. That would be a bit weird, but somehow in, in uh, with crime fiction it can work. Well, I don't know. Well, there's I mean, three Wallanders. Valanda. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are, yeah. there are, but I think most folk have got kind of idea that one is English language and one mm -hmm. is Swedish, and one we've not seen hardly at yeah. all. Yeah. 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 But apart from that, you're right. You're right. Anyway, there's only one Banks, and, and, uh, and it's in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, so that's what I had to get back so, to. So why, why the standalone? I mean, was that just something that it was just a story that was screaming out to be told, or did you think yeah. I wanted to stretch myself? It was both. I mean, it was a story that, that, that I wanted to tell, but it couldn't be a Banks story. I mean, I knew... I, and, and actually, one thing I wanted to do, I don't know if you've ever had this impulse, was I didn't want to write about the police. 
you know, just had enough writing police procedurals and they'd do this and they'd follow this and whatever. And I just wanted to write a suspense novel, you know, a, a, a crime novel, but it that didn't really have police in it that much. And, and that was one impulse. And then was I that, had was that a challenge? Yeah, I mean, because you're so used to relying on those things. Right, yeah? the tropes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's every time. I mean, you, you, you've done sort of non-series novels. Very few. Yeah, I've done very few. I've done, this is my third. But it was always... And finally, at least two of them have been at music. Yeah. I think there's a kind of frustrated rock musician somewhere in there. Oh, aren't, aren't we all? I mean, you yeah. know, if I could have been a rock musician, I probably wouldn't have been yeah. a crime writer. But unfortunately, I couldn't play an instrument or sing. <laughs> not that that bothers most sorry, rock sorry. musicians. You know? Perhaps not, too, not young enough also at some points in time to be a rock musician. This is true. I, I, yeah. I passed my peak, you know. Yeah. So you brought Rebus back then. How, how did that work out? Um... Well, I mean, there were lots of reasons for doing it. I mean, number one was that they've changed the retirement age for detectives in Scotland. <laughs> Reprieve. So originally it was 60, now it's 65, slipping to 67. That was one thing. Number two, I think I'd said at the end of the last book or towards the end of the last book that he would probably apply to work as a civilian for the cold case unit, mm -hmm. the Scottish Crime Review Unit Screw, which... <laughs> Which is a real unit, <laughs> a real right. unit in Edinburgh. Screw. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so he's worked. So I knew he'd be. Do that's what he was doing anyway. He was working for this as a civilian for the police, working in this cold case unit. With a change of retirement age, he would obviously retire to come, uh, apply to come back in. I mean, he just wants to be a cop. He can't mm -hmm. not be a cop. Um, and then having invented Malcolm Fox, whose internal affairs, I thought, well, it, Malcolm Fox wouldn't want Rebus back. No, because you don't want that bad penny getting back and then infecting everybody else in the police force. So there was going to there was going to triangle of things there, mm -hmm. and plus everybody was saying, "Oh, we'd love to see Rebus back." Plus, it was 25 years since the f um, first book. 87 was the first book, so this is the 25th anniversary. Well, the same as me, yeah. Yeah, so there were lots and lots and lots of reasons. Yeah. And uh, when I started writing this book, which originally wasn't a Rebus book or a Fox book, it was just a book. When I started writing it and thought Rebus could do this, he's, he just, the voice was straight back. It was like he'd never been away. He was sitting in a little compartment somewhere in my head. No. Oh, five years since I'd written the last book. And he just said, hello, I'm back again. What have you been uh, doing, Ryan? You've yeah, been ignoring and, me. And mm -hmm. Siobhan, come here. And here's, uh, <laughs> here's Cafferty. And the nice thing about that was a lot of folk had been saying to me, is Cafferty alive or dead at the end of the final book? Well, now we know because he's in the new book. that He's, he, he's alive? He's alive. He's a ghost, but he's alive. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. We can get away with it. But it just, you know, it's one of those things where it just all, everything, the stars seem to align. Mm -hmm. It's not for the money, and it's not because I was bored with Fox. Fox is in the new book, the complaints. Mm -hmm. He's in the new book. But the other interesting thing is that we can suddenly switch. So having the two books of seeing this guy who's internal affairs and seen him as a hero, he's now the villain, because he doesn't want Rebus back, yeah. and we want Rebus back, yeah. therefore he has to be the villain. So do we so get Fox and Rebus going kind of head to Oh yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. I say that, I mean, you know, it's not until November, and although... But I you have finished it. Well, I keep finishing it. I keep finishing <laughs> it. <laughs> and sending it off, and then it comes back, because there's a few queries. Um, I finished it, where are we now, is it Friday? I finished it on Tuesday, I think, finally. Hopefully, finally. Yeah, yeah, until the next time. So it'll be going to the printers then. Yep. Yeah, proof yeah. copies, all that, yeah. kind of jazz, and then touring, and then the next one. Yeah, yeah. 
So how much life do you think is left in, um, in banks? I mean, have you got a well, notion? Well, um, the interesting thing was that... Have these know, characters I'll, I'll, got inbuilt decrepitude? Well, it's, 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 it's sort of decrepit in some books and not in others. It depends <laughs> what's happening. But I mean, he's approaching 60. But, but the great thing is that, that I can give him a case every month and keep him in his late 50s for quite a long time. Yeah. You know, so, and you so can go back. And, and I can, can go, go back. back. I've done do that in a couple of yeah. stories. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see an end yet. But, but I, I also see doing more books like Before the Poison because I really enjoyed Breaking Free. And, and, and the other thing you said about, you know, just want to spread your wings and do something different. I mean, it's a totally different structure from the Banks books. I mean, it not only does away with police, but, you know, there are several different voices and, and, yeah. and they're sort of arranged in certain ways. And, and it goes way back challenge, in time. You know? It goes way back in time. And it goes time. way back in time, yeah. yeah. And I, I like doing that. You know, I sometimes get t bogged down in the research. Well, not bogged down, because I enjoy it. And I sort of say, I'm not going to bother writing for a while. I'm just going to read all these books and... It's kind of lazy, but, but you've you got to do research. How do you, how do you, how you, how do you split your time, Peter? Because, I mean, when I knew you originally, um, you were living in Toronto when you were English-born, but you, you pretty much put roots down in Toronto, but you were writing a series in Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. and, and recently, you've, you've relocated, and you're back in Yorkshire. Part of the time, yeah. Part of the yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, so how does, that, I mean, how does that work? Do you need to be here to write, or can you write anywhere? I, I, I can write anywhere. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty weird, because what I'm finding is that spending more time in Yorkshire now than I used to do, um, the place is becoming more real rather than somewhere seen from a distance. Mm -hmm. So I find bits of Richmond, which is where I live, you know, Eastvale starts becoming more like Richmond, although it was a fictional sort of version of it. And Richmond's where um, the, this book's set. And I actually set that book in the, yeah. in the real Richmond, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, opposed to, as opposed to... Um, Eastvale, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I've set, you know, things in pubs and... and and restaurants there, and I'd been in those places, and you know the, the the waiters brought me a stack of books. I want you to sign where you mention us on page hundred and something. <laughs> or something. So uh, yeah. free drinks? Mm, no, I did get a free meal last Sunday. Though, Ooh. Uh, yeah, I did. a little tip there for all Tyrol crime writers out there. <laughs> I think I say there's a huge there's a, there is a difference. People sometimes say there's obviously no difference between Yorkshire people and Scottish people. There is a difference. The difference is you get a free meal. Uh, and I mention Oxford Bar in all my books, I get nothing. You get nothing. Yeah. I don't get as much as a pie. <laughs> Never mind a pie. They don't serve pies there, do they? No, not anymore. <laughs> they used to, though. I remember the Oxford Bar. Yeah, well, I mean, it is kind of handy for the book festival uh, amongst, you know, in Edinburgh, amongst other things. But how's, I mean, how's crime fiction changed, do you think? I mean, we've ten years since we've been sitting here. Um, I mean, have you noticed any changes, Kenny, in the people that are writing it, the kind of stuff that's getting written, the, the, the trends? Yeah, there are too many new writers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, that couldn't possibly be true. There, 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 there are a lot of new writers, and, and, and it's a great thing to see, but sometimes it makes me feel old, you know, I just kind of feel... I, and, 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 and some of the younger writers who come from a world that, that is, is always going to be different, distant from me. I mean, I don't know how the kids speak today, and I'm not going to be one of these old fogies who tries to imitate it and pretend I know, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that to the younger writers to, to deal with the, the worlds of the estates and whatever and what it's like now. I grew up on a council estate, so I knew what it was like in the 60s, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's a different world now. So yeah. um, I, I think that, you know, they're going in places that, that, that certainly you and I couldn't go sim simply because of ageing, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and it's a different world, and it's great, it's great to see it. But I think there's still a place for, yeah. f for the sort of stuff we do. And 
when I think about writing another book, you know, doing another bounce book, I don't so much think about looking for a subject as I think about what I don't want to write about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to go down this road, I don't want to go down that road. I so want to like write what? something... Like what? Oh, you know, um, some social issue on housing estates or... or you know, the, the, the special little world of bicycle couriers and one of them getting murdered and, you know, things they do on new tricks and stuff like that. I mean, I want to write something that's kind of more universal and, and more... Um, traditional? Not, not necessarily traditional. It doesn't have to be traditional in, in, in structure or style or anything. But, you know, it, it just has to be uh, of a theme, say, that, that's just more universal mm. rather than, than, than sort of picking out some little area. What about the fact, I mean, technology has changed hugely since we were first sitting here, yeah. you know, and I mean, how, how hard is it for us as crime writers to keep up with the changes in technology and what readers know and expect us to know? Yeah, that's why it's easier to go and set a book in the 50s or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, actually, I, I love doing that in... Um, I'll just check my digital phone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when I was, I did Peace of My Heart and, and half of the story was kind of set in, in, in the the late 60s in 69, and the other was Banks in the present. And, and it was great, it was really great to, to have this detective in, in the 60s who didn't have a computer, didn't yeah. have a mobile phone, didn't have CCTV. Yeah. Yeah, but, but some of the readers got a bit confused, who I guess had never read any before, they'd never read Banks before. And I got all these emails sort of saying, don't you know, they didn't have computers in 1969, <laughs> you know, they, they didn't have mobile phones then. And, and I guess they didn't realise Banks was in the present. But I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, without sounding like two old farts sitting at a table, which we are. Which we are. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, when I started writing the Rebus series, he would have to stop the car and to make a phone call. You'd have to find a phone box and make a phone call. Yeah, and, uh, and then the phones were about that big, yeah, like a brick. And, and the mob and the kind of you know, fax machine was just a kind of weird thing that sat in the corner of the office and was like a god. If, if something spewed out of it, you had to, it had to be important. Mm-hmm. And you know, a generation later, that stuff's all gone now. And I look back at some of the early books I wrote now, and it just seemed like really historical pieces to me. Yeah. You know, that all that stuff that we were interested in then or that was relevant to us then just isn't anymore. And the world's moved on. And it's kind of scary to me how quick it's moved. And so all the stuff I have to do now, if you're setting a police novel right now, all the stuff you're supposed to know about to do with kind of, you know, um, DNA analysis yeah. or, or what happens at an autopsy, it's almost like you've got to go there every time, every year, just to double check that everything's still current yeah. and things haven't moved on again. You know, and it's like the public, the public, the readers know more than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's very easy for them to know more than we do. And it's very hard for us to keep up to touch, keep in touch. Well, with things are moving so fast. I mean, given that we both started about the same time, we have the same sort of problems. And, I, you know, uh, again, that, that, that was another reason to do something that wasn't a police novel. I, I didn't have to worry about that stuff so much. And, and, and you do. I mean, what, one of the things that, that gets me in, in books these days is just constantly being aware of CCTV. Yeah. That it's like all over the town centres and things. So you can't walk anywhere. You can't go and have a piss in the yeah. town square without being caught on CCTV. Well, and, depends and so wh- how depends where you go for a piss, obviously. In Richmond, you can't. Anyway, you know. And he knows because he's tried, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's a kind of weird thing, you know, weird um, statistic that said, you, you know, there's more CCTV cameras in London than in the whole of the USA. Yeah, because they know. don't do it there. I mean, they still have this thing about, you know, the individual privacy. and his yeah. privacy. And, yeah. Well, we're supposed to have, a, you know, the same here, but it, it, it doesn't stop them. But there's a, there's a handy thing you can do as a crime writer, which is to say, oh, it got erased. 
Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> or it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't catch them, yeah. you know. Uh, or, no, no, oh, it's true. The, yeah. Oh, no mobile, no mobile phone signal is a great one. I've got my phone, but oh, the battery's gone. You can do that in Yorkshire, like really easy in the yeah, Dales, you know. Oh, couldn't get a signal. Central yeah. Edinburgh, there's yeah. no 3G in Central Edinburgh. Right. It's great, you know. I can say, oh, it's out of signal. Oh, he's got to. But the CCTV go. thing, you're absolutely right. And 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 some of the cops I've talked to said, you know, what's what, what nobody ever says is those things are bloody crap. Crap. They're yeah. useless. You couldn't recognise your own yeah. grandmother from them. So you can always use that one. Yeah. yeah, you can actually make it into a strength that looks like you've done your research by saying it was useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's good. And we always do our good research. Good advice. We well, do I always, research, I always do, but no matter how much I do my research, I, there's stuff I'm still screwing up. Yeah. It really annoys me. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if I was in many professions, the more I did it, the better I would get. Right? And it seems as a novelist, the more I do it, I don't get any better at all. That I'm still making mistakes, and somebody will say, "Oh, but that doesn't, but no, that couldn't have happened, and that didn't, and there isn't that there and stuff." And you go, "Jeez, oh, yeah, again," um, and it really annoys me. Does it annoy yeah. you when you get oh, stuff wrong? It annoys the hell out of me, and it happens with every book. Every book. that's the first email you get usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Happened in that book. Drove me around. Really? Go on, tell me. Go on. Are you going to own up? What was it? Yeah, I'll I'll own up. It was caught at the last minute by by the American copy editor. That, that I had these people sitting around at a dinner party in January 1953 talking about Hillary conquering Everest, which um, didn't happen until June 1953. And, and you know, I trusted the internet. What just can I say? Stick a Ouija board in there. You'll <laughs> yeah. Be fine. Uh, yeah. And and then yeah, there, there's a little typo in in the new book that was too late to catch. Whoa. Somebody mentioned it. It's not a major thing, and most people won't even notice. But I know. You'll get it. In yeah, the, yeah. It you'll get it in me. the paperback. Uh, um, it'll get in the paper that yeah. yeah. There was, I mean, I, I mean, I do it all the time, but there was one um, that I, I'm particularly unproud of, which was in black and blue, and I got the wrong artist for a song, um, and I've never allowed them to correct it, although we know what the, we know mm -hmm. it's wrong, because mm -hmm. I, I just want that humiliation to stay with me till, <laughs> till the You're day I die. You're a masochist. Yeah, it's really early on as well. So I can see clearly now, and uh, I've got it done as me and Marvin Gaye, it's Jimmy Cliff. Ah, right. So I've never allowed them to correct it. Yeah. So that goes with me to my grave. <laughs> there's a lot of other ones. I mean, folk are always coming up to me and saying things like, Ian, how come there's always a trestle table in your books? <laughs> Every book is a trestle table. There's somebody once told why me all the too much wild, wild garlic in my books. Wild why garlic? I thought it's wild garlic in your books. But there's always going to be something that's oh, going yeah, yeah. to creep through. And, and usually, you know, you do an event and, 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 and you sort of do a little bit of a reading and a talk. And the first question the guy in the front row is, uh, you know, oh, on page 53, you have them talking about Edmund Hillary conquering Everest. <laughs> and you just want to go, <laughs> But that one you've caught. That, that one you've caught. caught. Right. Yeah, and they're, they're probably ones I haven't caught. But the next one you've not caught. There's a tiny one that you're not going to tell us what it is because you want us to find out and we get a prize if we find out, right? Um, you or get you, you get my undying thanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, it, 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 it's, a, it's, it's just a spelling mistake. It's an architect called uh, Van Bru, V A M B R U G H, and in the book I, I spelt it Van Berg, B U R G H. Okay. Most so people some, some won't notice. Yeah, yeah, somebody will notice it. But somebody somebody will, and they will delight in telling me about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you, I, if you're dealing with something like the real world and real time, oh, it's my fault thing going off, let's come back on again. Um, if you're dealing with the real world in real time and real professions like we do, you are going to get, I mean, there's going to be stuff that's going to crop up, obviously. Oh, there's going to be a procedure. And it's going to be a cop, well. it's going to be a cop yep. somewhere. Yep. It's going to be a cop somewhere. Or, a, or a, a, you know, someone who works in the morgue 
who's going to say, well, actually, we wouldn't keep them bodies for that long. Yeah. Um, and that's the really interesting person. That's mm -hmm. the person you really want to meet at this point in your evening <laughs> after you've written a, a book. So tell me how it really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. I mean, but on the other hand, the stuff that people tell you, I find, that's so extraordinary that you can't put it in the books because if you put it in the books, nobody would believe it anyway because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem real. I mean, fiction, the fictional world has got to be realistic. Yeah. You yeah. can't suddenly have this weird thing happen. Whereas in the real world, weird stuff happens all the time, that's especially right. if you're writing crime fiction. Yeah, I mean, and that, that, that's what makes science fiction works. We, within the world of science fiction, it, it's all reasonable yeah. within that world. Um, so the stuff that they tell you, and you go, no, I can't, I can't yeah. use that, but it's an absolutely amazing story. But I'm sorry, it's just too fantastical for fiction. Yeah. I find that real, that still that's does my head funny, in. isn't it? That yeah. does my head yeah. in after all these years. Yeah. There was a guy in the, in the mortuary in Edinburgh, and, and he was called, what was he called, Sammy? I can't remember. But he used to um, keep tomatoes, you know, grow tomatoes in the mortuary. And they brought right. beautiful okay. tomatoes, beautiful, huge tomatoes. He said, what do you feed them on? And then he would tell you. Then right. he would tell you. And he said, do you want some? I've got loads. Mm. I'm fine. Thanks. Enough I'll get them from the supermarket. Enough to put you off tomatoes for life, isn't it? Not really. No, I used to work no, in a chicken factory. Nothing puts me off anything. No, I worked in a mushroom farm. Hey, mushrooms. Uh, hard to get a date after a night's work there. Long shower, get old in your fingernails. Dreadful. Did <laughs> terrible jobs when I was a student. You know? I, I worked in a frozen food factory, a yeah. yeast factory. I did frozen uh, veg. You did frozen veg, yeah. 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 And I did chickens. Chickens. I've never done chickens. Chickens was pretty gruesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I used to write lots and lots of short stories, impassioned short stories about the death of the chicken. <laughs> when I was 17, 18. Because um, there was a woman whose job was to sex the chickens, right? To sex mm. the chickens, we used to pick up these little chicks and go male, female, male, female, 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 male. And all the males got put in a dustbin and then gassed. Because they were expensive to fatten up because it took more food. So you'd kill them, keep the females, cheaper to fatten up. So all the, all the chickens you got um, were female. And you'd sort of open up this metal dustbin and there were just all these little chicks there, all dead. And you stick your hand and they were still warm. Oh. And then you go and write a short story about it. Look, you're upsetting them now. They're yeah, I know. Sad. I saved one. I saved one or two. I took them yeah. home. Wait a minute, but one or two, I was fighting against the grain. I was like, I was like the, kind of, you know, the, the schindler of the... <laughs> Chicken factory, but you—I mean, even if you say <laughs> one, they, they wouldn't last long. They weren't—they weren't made no, to last long. No. Anyway, now I used to have a friend at university who, who did things with chickens' pituitary glands. So you used to have to cut their heads off. We used to call him Dead Chicken's Head Nick. Any book? Got a book out of him yet? Not yet, but you know, it's an idea, isn't but it? But you know, this thing about how everything's material. Muriel Sparks said it beautifully. She said, you know, there's loitering with intent is what we do. Everything is mm -hmm. material to the novelist. I mean, all this stuff is sitting there it in our heads, It all sticks around, right? yeah, yeah. It's all sitting there. And if at any point you wanted that or I wanted that seen in a chicken factory, bang, it's there. Yeah. And I'm sure if, you know, if I could find a kind of structural way of using it, I would use it tomorrow. Well, actually, I use the yeast factory in, 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 the, ne in the forthcoming Banks book. And... Uh, you know, again, yeast factories have probably changed since I worked in one, but I didn't want to go in another All one right. and find out. But what happens in close a yeast, in, close what enough happens for in rock a yeast factory? You don't want to know. <laughs> is that making the yeast for making beer? No, what no, no, that? no. It's, make, it's, it's, it's making the yeast for the, the f pills and the animal feed and yeah, then okay. put, pushing it through all, all, the, all these... You have to read the book. It's very, it's very unpleasant. I will read the book. Yeah. 
It's very my job was particularly unpleasant. Yeah. What was your job? Sex? Well, no, I, I, I had to put these canvas sheets in, in the big industrial washing machines, and it was covered in what was left of the yeast stuff. The con Never mind. Let's move on. So, how about music? Yeah, yeah cool. Is, yeah. Yeah, I've got. I mean, actually, I can't stick around. I've got to go back to Edinburgh because I'm seeing Dr. John tomorrow. That's night. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was either at Madonna, two gigs, Madonna, Madonna. But I decided I was going to see Dr. John instead. Yeah, I mean, music still... I mean, it was great to come back to Rebus, my God. Mm -hmm. Because having invented um, Malcolm Fox, I decided, how can I get clear blue water between Fox and Rebus? One thing is, they can't, he cannot listen to music. Right. Otherwise, folk will think it's just Rebus with a different name. So coming back to Rebus meant, oh, the music's back. It's awful writing about people who don't like oh, music. It's horrible. It? Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. And also, it means that your record collection isn't tax deductible anymore, which is... Uh, <laughs> Don't talk to me about tax. <laughs> so um, it was great. And in fact, the next book is called um, um, Standing in Another Man's Grave. Right? Mm -hmm. My publisher said, terrible title. Too long. Yeah. I said, it's got exactly the same number of letters as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's a fine title. Which it has. So then they went, oh, it's okay then. Um, <laughs> that did all right. Yeah, that yeah, did okay. Yeah, that, didn't, yeah. that didn't sink, sink no, the no, trains no, as far no, as we know. No. Um, yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a Mondegreen. Do you know what a Mondegreen is? A Mondegreen. Um, no. It's a misheard lyric. Okay. Oh, yes. That, and it okay, comes yeah, from, yeah, yeah. they slew the brave sir so-and-so and laid them on the green. Yeah. And folk Mondegreen. heard it as la laid, laid them on the green. Um, and there was this um, song by a friend of mine called Jackie Levin, who's no longer, longer with us, and it, it just went, standing in another man's grave was the kind of chorus. And I went, ooh, standing in another that's quite an interesting title for a book. So I said I was going to call the book that. Then I, f I got the album out and I listened to it again. Got the lyric sheet out. Oh, shit. Standing in another man's rain. <laughs> so the book opens with Rebus at a funeral. Gets in his car. Sticks on the CD player. Hears that. Mishears it. Pulls over. Thinks, what the fuck? Opens up the lyric sheet. I've misheard it. It's a Monday green. And that kicks off the story. Ah, all right. Yeah. So the, and the book is punctuated by um, Jackie Lee because Jackie died uh, last year, and and, and we yeah, were, we, yeah. we, we, we worked together. We did an album together. Mm -hmm. We worked. Together. We were really close for a while, um, but the whole book is punctuated by his lyrics. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it was good. a chance just to get. And there's loads of other stuff in there. There's loads of Rory Gallagher and um, Wishbone mm -hmm. Ash and all the oldies. <laughs> I think all you working with, with with Jackie partly was what got me involved in working with folk singers at, at the Beverly Festival. Right, right? because we did, we did the Beverly Festival one year. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And, and Chris, who runs it, that, that wanted to do a Yorkshire thing, so she got me uh, doing events with Eliza Carthy. Yeah. And Eliza couldn't do it this year, so, so in June I, I did an event with Martin Carthy. And not a bad replacement. Not a bad replacement, no. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a sort of national treasure. And what did you do? Did, um, you, did you just read stuff out, or did you actually make something up specially for that event? I wrote a, a story specially for that event, um, which was a murder story based on, actually, um, what Fairport Convention called Matty Groves, Lady Sorry, Barnard yeah, and yeah, Little yeah. Musgrave. And, and he, Martin had recorded it years ago. And, and I did a, a sort of variation on it. So the story was about a guy who collected folk songs and got this variant, and, and he died, and, and someone's looking through his stuff and, and finds that he knows the people in, in, this, in this variant and goes looking into his past. So what Martin did was, was he sort of interpolated songs here and there. He started with Little Musgrave and Lady Barnard, and then 
did about five other songs during the story. So it took about an hour in all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's terrific. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just such a pro. I mean, well, I mean, there's an interesting connection, isn't it, between kind of folk songs and murder ballads oh, yeah. and what we do. Yeah. I mean, what we yeah. do is a kind of continuation of that. We're taking these kind of tropes and these themes from all these old mm -hmm. ballads, really, and keeping them going, yeah. about why we continue to do bad things to each other. I mean, that's what we do, right? Yeah. We write yeah. stories about how, why, why in God's name do human beings continue to be so nasty to each other? Mm -hmm. and, and we don't know the answer, which is why we're fascinated by the question and why we keep on trying to explore it, I think. And ballads have done it forever. Oh, yeah. I forever. Mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's also a way of communicating it, of telling the stories, you know, get, getting it beyond the immediate community. So, I mean, I think there's a, a strong connection between sort of the old murder ballads and, and crime fiction. Yeah. And that's what I was sort of exploring in the story. So it's great to, you know, to do it with, with, with a real sort of folk star. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Did you record it? Is there a, an the, 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 mish type there's thing somebody, there? there was somebody with a camera, yeah. and, and we may be able to put together something, but, uh, you know, I mean, M M Martin said he hit a few bum notes, and, and I'd never read the story before. I stumbled once or twice. But, you know, it was real. You know, it was no rehearsal? Yeah. No, no rehearsal? No rehearsal at all. Yeah. A couple of emails, you know, this song, that song. You know, I sent him the story. Yeah. I did some, we did some great rehearsals when I toured with, um, with Jackie Leaven for the um, Jackie Leaven Said album. Um, but my favourite thing was that, ja and this is a, a, an amazing, amazing to me, difference between musicians and crime writers or writers per se, is that when musicians go on the road, they do pretty much what we do. They do an hour's gig, but they get paid for it. Paid? Paid? And they get a thing called a rider. Do you know what a rider is? A rider. A right. rider is your backstage requirements. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah? The, the, the case of... Uh, exactly. Chateau the, de Chateau. Chateau de yeah. whatever, yeah. They get that. Now, he'd said to me, emailed me, he said, Ian, what do you want to put in your rider for this tour we're doing? I said, right, what's a, I said, what's a rider? And he said, well, it's your backstage requirements. I said, well, whatever you're having. You know, whatever you're having, I'll just have the same. Um, no, what he did was he then put on the rider, Mr. Rankin requires a cooked haggis <laughs> at every venue. So we're doing, the, we're doing the Royal Festival Hall in London and this huge tattooed shaved head bouncer kicks open the door and goes, which one of you fuckers ordered the haggis? <laughs> at which point Jackie goes, <laughs> and he said, I had to go to Fortman Mason to get that, pal. Hope you enjoy it. Um, uh, did you? No, because it wasn't cooked. It was raw. Oh, but, um, <laughs> but the reason he'd done it, and he said, he said a serious reason for doing it is to make sure they're actually paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, that's great. I think we should get those. Well, we, I mean, our writer tonight was a well, an entire uh, barrel of... Where's uh, our barman, of, well, anyway? I, I, you know. I'll just go and get some up here. Let's see if we can get some. <laughs> this actually reminds me of the show at my hotel. Hey, he's not bad at that, actually. You know. yeah. Look at the head on that. Oh, do. I know. Any minute now, we're going to open the crisps. Um, <laughs> but we are frustrated rock stars, right? We've established Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. We've established yeah, yeah. that. Okay. So that's good. We know that. We know that. And in fact, almost every crime writer I've ever met would rather be a musician than, than be a, a writer. But then every musician I've ever met would rather be a painter. And every artist I've ever met would rather be a poet, and every poet would rather be an actor, and every actor would rather be a writer. And you but you were a musician. You're, 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 you're in not a punk band. I was in a... Yeah. Were you ever in a band? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we were, we were called um, Jimson we Weed. <laughs> Jimson Weed, yeah. Okay. We, we used to play around leads. And, and, and were you, what were you, the keyboards? I, I was the sort of Jim Morrison figure. Yeah. You were the, okay, leather yeah, trousers? I wrote, I wrote poetry and declaimed it loudly. And, and yeah, 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 leather trousers. I used to have hair then, you know, down there. Yeah. And trousers up to there, right? And trousers, yeah, yeah. That was fun. I mean, you know. How we, old were you we then, Peter? I, I was probably 20, okay. 19, 20. I would be yeah. disappointed if you said 45. <laughs> because it seems to me that it's a young man's game. I mean, I was in a band for six months when I was 19. And that's yeah. just the right time it's to get It's about the time to do get it. Get it out of your it? system. Yeah. If you've got no talent, as I hadn't, <laughs> it was a good time to do it. Yeah. 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 Are there any recordings? Somebody did do a bootleg tape of one of our rehearsals. <laughs> and and have threatened me. No, I don't no, have, have it. Okay. Um, I, I don't know where he is either. Would now. you like to buy it back from me? <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. You know, I'd like to listen to it. <laughs> I mean, there are actually recordings of the dancing pigs. With are there? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's, there's one in the commercial hotel Cowdenbeath. And um, <laughs> the guitarist has got it, and he keeps saying, how much? One day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we weren't very good. Were your band okay? No, no, yeah. no, we really weren't. We had a fairly good guitarist. But, you know, I mean, at that time, it, it was in Leeds and, and sort of late 60s, early 70s. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I, and I used to be part of a group that, that folk singers, poets and whatever. And, and we do, you know, events together. And, and one of the people, there were blues singers and stuff. And one of the people who used to just come up and jam with whoever was there at the time was Mark Knopfler. Oh, right. He was, yeah, he was the entertainment, right, for the Yorkshire Union Post. And wow. at the time, he was just playing around Leeds, so, you know, he would come and jam with us. A good young Scottish musician. Yeah, there you go. We've claimed him. Yeah. I don't think we have a tape with him. We've claimed him. No, uh, he's, he's a Yorkshireman. No, no. No, actually, he's not. He's he started out in, in, in Lancashire. But no, 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 he's born in Scotland. Uh, born in Scotland. <laughs> now, we've, we've got him. We've got him. You, you, ask, um, you ask Alex Salmond. We've got him. You've got him? <laughs> yeah, we've got him. Um, yeah, who else have we got? I can't remember. We've got them all. We've got them all. You've got them all. Yeah, anybody yeah. with Ian McEwan. We've got all, all the ones with Scottish names. We've got them. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? You know, I, I, I like the way how Canada's got Malcolm Lowry because he got drunk in Vancouver once. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. So what else are you up to? I mean, are you, are you sort of, you're still happy doing the book a year? It, it gets a little harder, you know, as, as I as I get older. I mean, and also, why I think... Are wearing this kind of I, lovely, why are we wearing this kind of lovely velvet-lined, you know, kind of hamster wheel of a book a year? Is it just because it is crime fiction, it's genre because fiction? Because we can do it, and we, we do, can do, do it. it. Um, you know, one of the things that worries me, it's not so much that, I, I can do that, it's that, you know, the, the whole writing world is changing so much that uh -huh. now, well, with, with, with e-books, one of the demands, I read an article that was vaguely disturbing that said Lisa Scottolini now has to write two books a year because uh, her publishers want more than one. And you also have to give away short stories and stuff to keep people happy. Like, mm -hmm. oh, do you have a short story lying around where you just give away on Amazon or something? Well, no, it takes me like a long time to write a short story. <laughs> and and the, 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 the strange thing is that... Um, Apparently, the ease of downloading a book, from which I like, I have nothing against it at all, especially when I'm traveling. Yeah. But, you know, you press a button and the book's there, you, know, you read it, you want another one tomorrow. Mm. You know, it's, it's like addictive, that. So one book a year is now no longer enough 
When it's so easy to download a book and sometimes so cheap to download a book, does that cheapen the experience, do you think? Um, it doesn't for me because I, 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 work, you know, I, I thought I wasn't going to like this. I, I, I was against you know, e-readers and whatever. And then I tried it. I went on a long trip to Australia, New Zealand, and I tried it. And um, it was all I read. I didn't take any books. Mm. And I found that if I got into the book, if it was a good book I was reading, I didn't care what the hell I was reading it on, you know, whether it's little cards or whatever. The, the, the medium that delivered it didn't matter. I was in the story. If it was a great story, I was into the story. And I didn't care. Um, I've, I mean, I've got a different tape because I, I, I think I find, I find a skim more yeah. with, a, with, a, with an electronic thing than if I've got a physical book. I find I can flick the pages more. Well, they go faster because they're smaller. Yeah, and there's less words on yeah. there, fewer words on the page. Yeah. And stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Especially when your eyesight's like mine, you have to have a large font. <laughs> it's true. But one, I mean, one word a page, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the other thing is, where does the editing come in? I mean, where's the editing for some of this stuff? I mean, it's not always there, is it? I mean, mm. even, even with people, even yeah. with authors like us, when the stuff gets transferred from print there to... There are mistakes that, that yeah, yeah. You know, stuff, ty typos and line breaks start creeping in that weren't there, and you don't get a chance to reproof it. No. And the free stuff, I mean, is, is, is the public domain stuff, a lot of it is dreadful. I mean, you try and buy a book of poetry on there, and it doesn't even have line breaks. <laughs> oh, right. Just lose the curve. Oh, that's an interesting connection. Like but it's free. Richard Brottingham yeah. type poetry. Yeah. That's quite an interesting way of putting it. But, but I, know, mean, I mean, it's there's there, a, but it's Denise Minor, who was here uh, mm -hmm. last night and won the uh, Thixton's mm -hmm. Book of the Year, had a piece in the there was the, the the BBC had a thing online today, where she was saying actually e-books, what they're going to do is they're going to democratise the whole thing, because a lot of writers who would have found it really hard to get into the industry it w it, until very recently can now have a shot at it, and she thought that would make a lot more diverse <laughs> voices available. It will. Um, and, and, and it would, you know, would kind of free up the, the, the ex reading experience to writers who wouldn't otherwise be able to get in. And that's, I mean, that's, I think it's a kind of fair point in some it ways. It is, yeah. But there's still got to be an editing process. Somebody's still got to say this is good stuff, this isn't There's so still got to be the question, is it any good? Yeah. I mean, you can have a lot of it, but is it any good? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's always been a problem, isn't it? I mean, it's been a problem with anything. It's like music or whatever or art is who decides if anything's any good or not, ap apart from the general public. Um, but the general public, you know, I mean, you know, God bless them, decide that something like Fifty Shades of Grey is the greatest and thing ever written. It goes viral. Honestly, yeah, you, you, go on, you go on Amazon, yeah, yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey, four and a half stars, and they go, what the fuck? Catch 22's got three and a half. <laughs> you know, Catch on the Rye, four. Fifty Shades of Grey, four and a half. Fifty Shades of Grey is a better book than Catch on the Rye. I haven't Catch read it. How many points would read you it. give it? Oh, you, you haven't know, read, I've read it either. Read it. No. Why would I want to read it? I don't know. To find out whether it's worth four and a half. That's a good point. Maybe I should. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good point. But no, I, I'm, well, I've, I've read Jilly Cooper. I don't need to read Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. I've read okay. all of Jilly Cooper many times. Well, then you might like Fifty Shades of Grey. No. no? It's not got the humour. It takes itself far too seriously, I think. No, it doesn't. I've read reviews of it. Well, many, you know. <laughs> many reviews of it. It, it happens <laughs> every once in a while that something comes out. Yeah, and, and nobody like knows. Whether it's Dan Brown or Fifty Shades or The Hunger yeah, Twilight. Games or Twilight. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's huge. For every a time while, we think so reading's so. on its last leg, something else comes along. Yeah? yeah. Just don't bring a paper back out for the next while. I mean, it's hogging the top three spots. Yeah. Huge. Bastard. <laughs> exactly. 
One thing I wanted to say before we finish was that I read something you wrote in one of the papers a while ago about the the uh, Scandinavian TV, the killing. Yeah. And said, give us 20 hours and we yeah. can produce good television. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because it made me think back to uh, the early adaptations of P.D. James. Anyone remember those? I mean, they go four or six hours, and yeah. not 20, but you know, four or six hours. And they pretty much covered most of the scenes from the novels yeah. and whatever. But now, you know, they, they, they do it in like two hours with commercials. Yeah, or I mean, I, I, mean I, got, I got in trouble for that. And I got, I I'm not sure why I got in trouble for it. I think it made it. a lot of sense, Well, actually. I mean, I think I was misquoted because seem to be, the folks seem to be saying that I was, I was sniffy about Scandinavian crime fiction, which I wasn't. I mean, no, I said I several things. That. One was that I thought folk would get fed up with it eventually, move on to something else, yeah. which I think is probably true. But the other one was that, you know, if you, if you were to give any, any UK crime novel the amount of screen time that you give to a, a killing or a, mm -hmm. a, a Borgen or whatever, you would get a really rich, yeah. textured experience. Absolutely. Um, and we've, and we've, we've, I mean, filmmakers in the UK have, have, have bought, lost their bottle and thought that the attention span of viewers has gone and a novel's got to be 45 minutes or something. And yeah. you go, what? But the BBC have just got, what's it called, the one that's in it? It's called the Shadow Line. What's it called, the, the one about the Internal Affairs Cop? Um, and that seems to be going on and on. That's like oh, five, at least five li episodes. Line of Duty? Line of Duty. Line I mean, that's, it, that's in at least five yeah. episodes now. Unfortunately, I have so to go back to Toronto on Sunday. Well, that's I'm four or five hours one. worth. So maybe, maybe, maybe focus that. And Sky, God bless them. I mean, <laughs> as much as you hate Rupert Murdoch. Um, have done pretty good things with, with, with um, you know, contemporary British crime writers, mm -hmm. giving it two, three, four hours. Um, and maybe they'll look at Scandinavia and say, well, if they can make an international yeah. go of it, we should maybe have another go. Because by the end of the Rebus series, it was 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I know. That was ridiculous. 45 yeah, minutes ridiculous. for a book. Yeah. You, can f you just chuck the book away, keep the title, and make some shit up. And that yeah. was exactly what they were doing. <laughs> That was what they were doing. So the killing could be a positive thing for us if, if they take a lead from I hope that, so. You know. I mean, I yeah. hope, I mean, I hope yeah. all of that is going to be a positive thing in the long run. That, you know, I mean, have you got any more um, banks on the go for yeah, TV? Yeah, they've just done another three. Uh, but but again, what about the standalones? It's any interest the, the, in the standalones? The, the, um, no. I'd, 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 I'd actually, I'd, I'd really like to do Before the Poison myself. I, th I think it would be is a real a feature challenge. Film? Feature film or TV? Yeah, feature film. feature film, yeah. Either that or a three-part series or something. It will be difficult. And I've never done one before, so I'd probably be crap at it. You know, but I should give it to a professional. It's a, I mean, I've tried writing film scripts, and it's mm -hmm. a very different um, way of telling a story. Yeah. And not yeah. one I really enjoy doing. Um, and when, when um, the last thing I made it was filmed was um, Doors Open, which Stephen Fry's is, it's, I think it's on in October, October or Christmas, I can't remember. Stephen Fry's the main character in it. And he said, do you want to try and write a script? I'll just have a wee walk-on part, thanks yeah. very much. You know. Oh, you got another walk-on? I've yeah. got another walk-on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. Hi, Stephen. <laughs> Ian Rankin. <laughs> um, no, I've got a wee walk-on. But I, didn't, I couldn't do it. I just find that I really... The other thing is that as a novelist, you're actually fairly high up the food chain. As a screenwriter, you're way back down at the bottom again. Way back down, below the kind of person who goes and gets the coffees in the morning. Okay. Um, so it's a very different kind of way of thinking about the way your story's getting told. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be a bit wary of that. But I mean, I, you know, I, I do, th I do hope that that you know that crime, UK crime fiction, will get a better kick of the ball, as we say in Scotland, um, about Rangers. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> kick, kick in the balls. Yes. As yes, we yeah, say about yeah. Rangers. Um, 
than we've had recently. Should we take some questions? We've got yeah, about we, 15, yeah, we've got 10, time 15 left, minutes. Yeah, sure. If the lights can come up, we ha do have microphones. Yeah, that in fact, no. we've got somebody standing up with a microphone right here. Way, hey, hey, oh, I'm oh, hang on, I've got to get this. The reason, can I just say the reason I'm filming all you fuckers is... It's weird. <laughs> ...is because we're doing a BBC documentary about me. It's all about him. Yeah, well, it's about how I write a book. And so they followed me around for a whole year. And they gave me this wee camera and they said, Ian, anything you're doing that's even remotely interesting. <laughs> and this just about qualifies. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be on TV, I think, in November. Thanks, folks. When the book comes out. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Which is called? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? There's nobody with a question. That's amazing. No, we must have covered everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, there's one or two coming up. But one's right yeah. at the very back. There's one at the very well, she, back. She can run. She can run. Hi there, gents. Whoa! <laughs> If you were to recommend me to buy one of your books as a first-time reader, which one would it be? Uh, one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> no, come on, let's take that one seriously. Go on, what would you say? Go on. Uh, black and blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it were mine, I'd, um, in a dry season or yeah. aftermath, maybe. Yeah. If, if you like gruesome and, and really hard-boiled aftermath, if you like something that, that, that's a little less gruesome lyrical. in a dry season. Lyrical. Yeah, yeah. more lyrical. Lyrical, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Right, there's another question. Hi. Um, first of all, here, here on Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> um, secondly, my favourite book is um, Resurrection Men um, because of the whole police training college and everything and the feedback you got from an actual... Uh, police chief about that. I was wondering what your favourite one was, or if you don't want to answer that question, what you think of Re Resurrection Men? Um, yeah, I mean, you're right, Resurrection Men was written for a bet with the chief of police in Edinburgh, who, who said I'd never mentioned the police training college, and I said, well, I will mention it um, if, you know, if you can get me in there. And so he got me in for two weeks undercover, so I wrote a book about it. So that was just a kind of jokey thing. But it was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed writing it. I don't remember much about it. But I remember quite enjoying it. Um, but my favourite would be Black and Blue. Because Black and Blue was the first one where it all made sense. It was the first one where it all clicked. The first one where I really thought I knew Rebus. The first one where I'd kind of got a bigger plot, bigger story, bigger theme. Um, I was stretching myself, I think. And, and that was good fun. Mm -hmm. It's good fun when you stretch yourself and it works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't always work. No. And you don't always stretch yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, but when it works... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of the hard things is if you're going to keep going as long as we've kept going is how do you keep then pushing along, you know, just I, I want to be better than anybody else. We all, I mean, we're all kind of sitting here very bonhomie. We're all kind of horrible. We, all want, we really all want to be better than each other. And we want to keep pushing ourselves and making each book better than the book before. And how do you not rest on your laurels? And how do you keep ahead of the, the everybody else that's out there writing crime fiction? And so when you sit down with that blank sheet of paper, you're always up against everything that's out there. And you want to say, I want to make a better book than anybody else has done. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you've got to take risks. Yeah. yeah. But do you, I mean, do you feel like it. that when you sit Absolutely, down? Absolutely, yeah. You don't want it's got to be better than the last one. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I mean, what's the point yeah. of writing a book that's worse than the book before? Or the same. None. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. so I, I guess every writer feels like it. Every writer feels, well, I'm going to write a book that's better than a book before. Whether you feel as readers that it's better than a book before is, is incidental. But we want to feel yeah. that the book we're yeah. writing is better than the book before. And that's where we keep writing. And, and the reason we keep writing we as well... We do feel that. Well, I mean, the reason I keep writing is because I, I don't feel I've written a... a, 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 a um, I, I've not written a book yet that says exactly what I want to say about the world in the best possible way. And I think if I did that, I could stop happily. If I'd written a book that I couldn't improve, I would stop. And I think, to kill a mockingbird, I think she looked at that and yeah. stopped, that will do me, yeah. that's fine. Where do you go after this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. almost, I mean, almost like that. Yeah. Right, who else have we got? That's us, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, how would you feel about your characters making a guest appearance in each other's books? Where are you? And <laughs> I can't see you. Show Where yourself. <laughs> And which one of drink, winning the drinking contest? <laughs> one of these things we often do, huh? Yeah, yeah, right. One of these things we often do at things like this is, you know, drunk writers will get together at the bar and say, wouldn't it be great if we got our characters together in a story? Scare the hell out of your agent. <laughs> That's what it does. Yeah. Both and your editor. Both agents. <laughs> both agents, um, yeah. And it never, almost never comes to fruition. No, almost and, never. Um, I, I mean, I, I did actually, in, in, in one of my books, Banks went to Edinburgh and had a drink with Rebus. And, 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 my, and my agent and my editors sort of said, you know, it's not really good to bring another fictional world into your fictional world and it doesn't really work. So in, in the end, I thought, okay, it was a tiny Super. little scene. So I, I, I cut it out. But I mean, we, we, we could have fun doing it, but... but, but I, you know, I'm not even sure that readers would like it that much. I think they like to keep the. I think we'd like it. Set. We'd have, we'd enjoy it. Yeah. 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 But that's not why we're in the game. And and Rebus and Banks, they, they don't drink very much, do they? So there's no competition. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, Rebus, that's just ridiculous. It's just a yeah. soft juice or a cup of tea guy. Iron brew? Iron brew, yeah. Given iron yeah. brew, he's quite happy. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, a cup of tea. I mean, honestly, green tea. Uh, <laughs> In a new book, that's Kenny what he drinks all the time, which is green tea. Green tea. Green yeah, tea, Banks please. drinks a lot of green yeah, tea, tea in, 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 in watching uh, the Salad. Yeah. I love a salad. <laughs> green tea in a salad. Yeah. I think I might have fucked up with a new book, actually. <laughs> Thinking back on it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking back on it, I think I might have moved here. Okay. Well, you still got another chance. You know, get it back and soak okay. it again. Proof, yeah? At the yeah. proof, proof stage, yeah. I'll get, I'll get yeah. it back. It, Score it green tea, put an IPA, salad, burger, chips, yeah, crisps. Fine. It'll all be fine. By the time you see it in November, it'll all be fine. Other question? Yep, it's coming. Five minutes, then we can go home. Home? I don't think so. Uh, one thing that I was thinking is a little bit unfair is that... Uh, Real life is so often unbelievable, but fiction has to be believable. I wonder if your books are ever inspired by real crime or things that happen in real life that you come across, or is it all just complete life fancy? We were talking about that a little bit, you know, yeah. about, about the... It's, I mean, I, I think sometimes that, that there is an inspiration of, of real crime, just perhaps wanting to explain things as best you can that are not easily explained. Um, and, and, and I'll just give a, it's, it's not something I'm going to do, but, but just as an example, I, I saw on the news tonight, there's this, this terrible shooting in, in Colorado in, in the movie theater. And, and they were talking to um, a man and a woman who'd been there to watch the Batman movie. 
and, and they, they were outside, they'd, they'd survived, people around them had got shot and everything. And, and the woman just looked like so completely, <coughs> utterly devastated, like her life was changed from that moment on. She could never see anything ordinary, normal in the same way again. And if I were to write, that's what I would write about, hmm. you know. Um, not the guy who came and did it and why he did it and whatever. It, it would be that. And, and I suppose in some ways that's partly what Aftermath was about. But, you know, you, you pick, you, you do look at life and, and, and you take your little bits of it that you think you can maybe explore and illuminate a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I mean, I think it's a really good point about, you know, differences between different kinds of fiction. Is that, you know, the thriller would be about all the kind of, the, the thing happening would be the thriller, would mm -hmm. be the kind of big bang explosion stuff. But often the crime, what the crime fiction does as opposed to thriller, is to take the aftermath and to look at the reaction, to look at why it happened and how it happened and what is the effect it has on other people's lives. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um, I always use real crimes, or almost always use real crimes, because I'm just really lazy. <laughs> and um, in the last book, um, The Impossible Dead, uh, you know, I found out about a, a guy who was a lawyer in, in Scotland and he'd been a a friend of the terrorists who were trying to rip the UK apart in the mid-80s and he was found dead in a car with a bullet hole in his head and I just thought, wow, that's, that's the story. Because there was no ending. Nobody had been, you know, nobody mm -hmm. knew why it had happened. And you really need an open-ended thing. Open-ending is great. You can't, you can't beat that. And, and so that, then I give closure to something that was historical. It had no closure and also I thought made interesting points about the way politics were going in the UK and everything else. So I'm very, I mean, I'm kind of like a leech in that way. I will leech on, I'll, I'll cling on to something that's a, an unfinished, that's unfinished business and use that. But only if it's relevant. I mean, not just mm -hmm. for kind of shock value, but only if I think it's saying something about the way the world is. Um, but that kind of Batman thing is, I mean, it's almost too, ext I mean, you know, uh, the thing about crime fiction has to be realistic. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. No. You know, it's like all the stuff about like the, the Dumblane, and um, Locker Bay, I've never written about them because I, I just don't see how I could make that realistic because it's just too fantastical. But you could take a character who'd been through something and like that. And who'd been affected by and it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I've, and it's a good point, actually. That's my, that's my next book. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, think I was going to do that. I know. What about done? <laughs> what about done? Because we've got, well, apparently we're going to go and sign, but 11 o'clock at night, we're going to go books. and sign books. Yeah, yeah. No. So if anyone no. wants books signed. Uh, Please don't yeah. come and get books signed because we, <laughs> we need to go to the pub. We need I to go to the bar. I bet they'll bring us a drink while we're signing. Oh, all oh, right. Oh, we can get one there, actually. <laughs> Listen, thanks very Thank much, Thank you folks. for coming. Thank you. Peter Robinson. Ian Rankin. Thank you for listening to this event by Harrogate International Festivals. Don't forget to rate and subscribe for this podcast. For more events, recordings, resources and information about our arts charity, please visit harrogateinternationalfestivals.com. <laughs>